Hey, welcome everybody to the Crosspoint Church Scripture Podcast. It's so good to be with you again. Uh, welcome in if you're a first-time listener. Thanks for tuning in. Um, if you've been with us since the beginning, I want you right now to literally pat yourself on the back. Okay, you got that done. All right, what do we do on the Crosspoint Church Scripture Podcast? Well, we look at a verse of the day, and uh, we're going to check context of the verse, and uh, we're going to look at the original author and the meaning, and then we're going to see if we can see Jesus in the verses. And uh, the hope is it will equip you to read the Bible better, deeper, and it'll also, I hope this this podcast becomes something that helps you and encourages you and, ca- and causes you to spend a little bit more time in the Word. So whatever brought you here, welcome. Um, today we're going to take on a verse from the Old Testament, which I always love. I'm, I'm sad that so many Christians, at least um, I'll speak for Midwestern American Christians, stay away from the Old Testament. I think that's a travesty. Jesus didn't stay away from the Old Testament. So that so that should tell you something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what it should tell us is that the Old Testament is full is also God's word, and when like when the Apostle Paul is referring to the word of God, he he is referring to the Old Testament because he didn't know, but he was in the middle of writing three quarters of the new. All right, so yeah. lots of issues there, but one thing I just want you to know about the Crosspoint Church Scripture Podcast is that we are not afraid of the Old Testament. We actually love it. So we are going to be in uh, one of the prophets this morning. So Micah. You'll find them in um, the collection of what is known as the Minor Prophets. I'm not sure if they would have been offended by that. What do you think, Easton? Uh, yeah, I'd probably take offense. Take offense, okay. I'm so, an American. I get offended at things. Yeah, don't call me a Minor Prophet. <laughs> but the funny thing is, the only reason they're calling them that is because their books are smaller. Yeah. So I, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel get to be the Major Prophets because their books make a sound when you drop them. There's yeah. a lot there. But with these other guys, they're called lesser prophets only because of the length. It's not yeah. meant to, to be detrimental. So anyway. Maybe I wouldn't be mad then. I don't know. If it was explained in that way, you yeah. think you could chill? Maybe I need to work on my pride. <laughs> well, Mike is going to help you this morning. Oh, perfect. Dude, you can't, Easton, you came to the right podcast, man. Wow. So our actual verse um, of the day this morning is Micah 6, 8. Um, fairly well-known verse. What I'd love is I, I if I read it, and you didn't know where it was from. I wonder if people would think it was from the Old Testament because of a lot of our prejudices concerning the Old Testament. I think you'll see what I mean when I read it, so I'll, let me do that real quick. Reading from the ESV, Micah 6, 8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Okay. He, referring to God, has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. So why did I say it goes against some of our Old Testament prejudices? Because I think not not without reason and not because there isn't something to it, but pushing it way too far, the view is, is that in the Old Testament, God was distant angry and wanted animal blood sacrifices done in exactly the right way and if it was done that way then for a little while he was okay with the Israelites and then it would be time again for the blood sacrifices done in exactly the right way now I'm certainly not mocking I'm not making fun and I'm not saying there isn't something to that the sacrificial system set up in the Old Testament 
was extremely specific and was very concerned with God's holiness and, and approaching him in exactly the way that he said he was to be approached, okay? But the thing is, we have sometimes commingled that with God's heart. His heart was for his people. He's so often throughout the Old Testament, especially in the prophets, but in other places too, you will find God pouring out his heart, his love for his people, his concern for their brokenness, his broken heart that they leave him, that they rebe- that he loves them and they don't love him, and so on like that. So this heart of like, I want to be with you guys. I've chosen you. I see you as a child. I love you. I want to raise you. I want you to be my people. Okay, that whole heart of God of love and grace and love for his people and pursuing of them is all through the Old Testament from beginning to end. So the over so what I'm saying is the mischaracterization that the, of the angry thunder god who wants blood sacrifices period full stop is is a mischaracterization of the Old Testament, okay? So and and I think Micah 6:8 has that when when he has his chance. So Micah is one of the prophets, the original author so the so the context is the people of Israel are in exile they've been judged for their sins and these prophets come to them to call them back to obedience to remind them who god is to remind them of god's judgment on their enemies even though their enemies are carrying out god's judgment on their people because they've given themselves to idols or sinned against the lord or sinned against each other they are receiving this discipline or punishment in their lives and these prophets are calling out to them, reminding them of God's grace, calling them back to repentance, reminding them of holiness, reminding them of God's power, okay? And Micah fits into that tradition. As always, there's so much more to it than that, but, you know, just keeping it within the 20,000-foot view we can get here at the Scripture Podcast. So Micah fits into that tradition, and that's what he's doing right here. He's, he's calling out disobedience in them and then calling them back to the heart of God. Okay, so that's that's the end of what you see there in in verse eight. So to get more of that context and shed more light on it, let's go back to verse six. That's where the the complete thought starts. So just going up just a little bit, Micah six six. It says this. So theoret Micah is asking theoretically, kind of speaking for Israel. He says, "With what shall I come before the Lord, and bow myself before God on high? Like how can I approach God? What does God want from me?" With what shall I come before the Lord? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? I mean, this is, that is deep stuff, man. I mean, that is some pretty brutal fearful honesty of like what could I do to approach this holy God like what does he want from me what could I do to wipe out my sin if I could give my firstborn child would that wipe away my transgression does the world Lord want 10,000 rivers of oil calves a year old like to what what can I do and so verse 8 is the answer to that cry and it's and it's so unexpected and grace-filled and I don't know. It just it really that is. makes that verse a lot heavier. Yeah, it's doing a lot for me, man. It's like yeah. an answer. So to this cry of like, what could I do? 
God doesn't go like, so I guess for me, I could go, if I was going to rewrite verse 8 just from the way I feel a lot, I would think God would say, no, not even any of those things will matter. What can you come before me with? Nothing. You're, you have fallen short of the glory of God, and you're not what I wanted you to be. And so I, you can't come before me with anything because I don't want to see you at all. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the way that I can often think God thinks about me. And instead, right here in the Old Testament, right here in verse 8, he says, Listen, he has told you, O man, what is good. So Micah's not making it up right now, or this isn't, so to speak, a new revelation. He's calling them back. He's going, hey, don't, re- don't you remember what God has told you what is good and what the Lord requires of you? Do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. So this whole thing that the Israelites had built up, like we can't do enough for God, God's like, uh, and you'll find this. This is a theme throughout so much of the prophets in the Old Testament. God's like, no, that you guys came up with that. This whole we can't do enough for you. you That's an invention of yours to cover up the fact that your sins have led you away from me and made you forget who I am and lose my priorities in my heart. So how, uh, how soon is this before uh, Jesus? It's So chronologically... Just for the Bible, it's getting there because the so because the Old Testament ends with the minor prophets. Gotcha. Yeah. Is this before <clears throat> or after? Uh, it's uh, there's been talk of Jesus coming. It's what what some would say, and I would agree, is that even like shot throughout the Old Testament, there's this promise of a Messiah. Okay. A sec, you know. Um, that either the the entire people of God, Israel, yeah. or someone. So like the classic would be way back in Genesis. God, along with the curse that he lays on Eve, or no, the curse that he lays on the devil, mm-hmm. the snake, the serpent. Yeah. He also says there will be one that I will put enmity between her seed, you know, Eve, the one that the serpent had deceived. All right. I'll put enmity, meaning like um, a, a feud. Uh, there'll be like problems between her seed and your seed, and and her seed singular. So one, like pointing towards this one, will right. crush your head and you will bruise his heel. Mm-hmm. So like, so Genesis three, you know, would be in my opinion and the opinion of a lot of other people is already God kind of gives this promise of a redeemer. Interesting. So this sounds like it's kind of like ramping up, like. You guys don't get it. Mm-hmm. And I would say, and I think you're onto something, Easton, and I would say that this verse, these verses, along with so many others, just the, like it's one of the huge supporting load-bearing beams of the Old Testament is God going, the, my heart is for justice, kindness, righteousness, love, yeah. and you guys leave me and then leave all those things, love, righteousness, all this, you leave it behind. You guys like my Voxer thing that just beeped there? Oh, is that you? Okay. I silence all my notifications, but <laughs> Voxer sneaks in under the wall. Huh. Well, so anyway, that God says, you guys, when you leave me, you also leave these things. And if you go back, you what you need to do is um, 
go all throughout uh, Micah, and he'll be calling the Israel, Israelites out for sins. But like this, you would think he'd be calling them out like, you guys have ignored the temple. You don't go to church like you're supposed to. You don't do the... But what Micah's saying is, you sin against the poor. You hate your brother. You don't practice righteousness. You take bribes. You you know what I mean? Mm. So anyway, the I don't want to get too far off the path, yeah. but they... The whole, like one of the huge beams throughout the Old Testament is um, God is saying, my heart is for these good things. You guys have left me. And then when you leave me, you start making up this story in your mind that I'm against you, don't want to be with you, and that somehow, you know, you just have to stay away from me when the whole time I'm like calling you back to myself. And the main thing that God will always reference is he'll two things, main things. He'll go, I made you a people. So he's talking about Abraham. He's like, I found Abraham and made you guys a people in the first place. And then he'll reference they're freeing them from Egypt. He'll he'll go, remember, you were slaves in captivity for 400 years, and then I just came to you and broke you out because I wanted to, and I called you to myself and made you a people. Right. I think it's kind of in our nature almost to, to say, okay, I want this, so what are the exact like sequential robotic steps that I can take mm-hmm. to get that because in any thing that I do even as a creative I'm like okay but how can I do this without having to actually think how can I automate this process to where mm-hmm. as long as I do this like everything is good yes. and that's just not the case with most things mm-hmm. I mean that's what we do we always want to find the job that is like hey you work from nine to five mm-hmm. and you get this many weeks of vacation and then you don't have to worry about it after words yeah. but oftentimes the most rewarding jobs aren't always that kind of thing it's like this job is my favorite but it also requires me to like be honest mm-hmm. with some things <laughs> and and yeah. say okay well this person needs uh, this person is messaging us online saying that they need prayer. I'm off the clock, but it would be wrong of me to ignore that and not at least pass that on to like a pastor. Yes. You know? Yes. Yes. And um, yeah. So the, yes, this whole verse is kind of crying against that. Like God doesn't want employees. Right. Yeah. That's right. That's interesting. That is very interesting. And and what, what interests me the most, and I'll, I'll stop harping on it. Maybe I just hear it a lot in my line of work and I don't know, but I'll stop harping on it. But it like, I, what I want to do is I want to put that idea in the grave forever, at least for all the listeners of cross point scripture podcast that God used to want you to mechanically do these things so that possibly he'd be okay with you or at least not punish you. And then in the new Testament, wham, bang, Zemo, he find now he loves you and wants to be near you. It's like, dude, that is, you didn't get that from the old Testament. You got that from a mischaracterization of it, but you don't get it from reading it. Okay, but that's enough. I keep going over that, and oh well. All right, so uh, what would please the Lord do good? What does he require of you, okay? <clears throat> so this is also, what this isn't as well, and then and then we'll just start wrapping it up. You can tell he has told you, oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, okay? So this is not, oh, this is also not huggy, fuzzy, you know, God, like God, all emotionally needy and by the side of the road, like, you know, the Israelites are marching by with their arms crossed and mm, we don't want you, God. And he's like sitting by the side of the road, weeping and, and you know, codependent and like, why don't you guys love me? I love you. 
It's like, no, I mean, the holiness and righteousness of God and the fact that he is their king and their master and the master of the whole universe is definitely upheld here. And he's not, so to speak, he's not asking, you know, he's not kind of like suggesting that these do these things. He is telling them, you guys have destroyed yourselves by not listening to me. And I require you to do justice, love kindness and walk humbly with your God. So I don't want to leave, I'm not going the other direction and leaving that impression that all Jesus wants you to do is love him. It's like, no, I mean, mm. yes, I understand that as an overcorrection to, to an, uh, another bad idea, but this verse is saying God does require things of you. He is holy. He does require justice and kindness and humility, but that's his love. That's his heart. Okay. So anyway, that's, there you go. You know what else I'm thinking of is, is like, it, it almost seems like there's this theme that we as humans are mm-hmm. trying to understand things that we're not meant to understand mm-hmm. and that, uh, we're really over analyzing a lot of things because it seems like as the Bible goes on, uh, through time, it's like, okay, there are these laws. Hey, there's these Ten Commandments. Mm. Hey, actually, listen, do what's right, love mercy, walk humbly. Mm. And then it's like, it just, he. It, it seems like God has to keep simplifying us because we're not understanding mm-hmm. that it's not ultimately about, we just because we overthink it. Yeah, or take, yeah, exactly. Or, ty- or like you were referencing before, if you try to take it, like God is satisfied, like he knows, let's put it this way. You'll find this again throughout the Bible. He knows if your heart is good, then the details of behavior will take care of themselves. Right. Whereas we are the opposite. So like, especially, so I'm now speaking for the laws of the country that I live in. America's laws are massive and detailed because basically because you can't trust people's hearts to be good. Right. It's like that's that's the fact. So mm-hmm. people will do what's wrong. So considering that, we need to have a law that covers every incident of bad behavior and saying that mm-hmm. it's wrong, why it's wrong and what the penalty is. Yeah. And God is like, "Right, that's a nightmare." It's right. necessary with people who are sinful and you'll find that throughout the Bible, necessary. But it's a nightmare, and it's not what God wanted. He He knows if he goes, if you have true humility in your heart and walk with God, your behavior will follow. He's not yeah. worried about it. If, uh, if having to explain something 50 different ways over the course of thousands of years mm-hmm. to people that still don't get it, yeah. is it, uh, is it merciful? I don't know if I know what is, because mm-hmm. that's like, I can relate to god being a father now because as a father and i think most parents can relate to having to tell your kids uh something 10 different ways before they finally understand (laughs) it and this this is literally like this is what's jumping out at me yes just from reading this and not wanting and like as a parent it wears you out because you don't want to go what you find yourself doing is like don't hit your brother don't poke his eye either don't pull his hair and don't steal his food right but what you want to do is you want to go hey love your brother because if you loved him, you wouldn't pull his hair, poke his eye, or hit him. Right. <laughs> and that's treat it, him you know? like you would treat yourself. <laughs> treat him like you treat yourself. Okay. You know. 
All right. Well, um, the last thing I could suggest just on a practical level is if you, like me and like so many others I know, are afflicted with a deep guilt and condemnation that is poisoning you and driving you away from God and making you think that it's done for you, then what I would love for you to do even this whole week is to take Micah 6, 6 through 8 and make it a prayer. So you you start with 6 and 7 and you just let that cry of the heart be your cry. What shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come with this, with these calves? Even if I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul, you know, so let that let that deep guilt ridden cry, you just own it, you know, like, yes, exactly. I have felt like that before. How can I approach this holy God? And then allow eight to be the healing answer to that prayer. And uh, I think it could really help you. Okay, so in the interest of time now, we move on to can we see Jesus in these verses? And we can in such an a, in a easy and beautiful way, okay? Here, here's, there's, as always I say, there's many ways we probably could see, but here's, a, here's the way that strikes me now. God goes in verse 8, he has told you, O man, what is good. And then you, you know, the, Easton was asking about prophecies about Christ coming, the Messiah, the consolation of Israel. Uh, the New Testament goes on and on about how Jesus was the revelation of the character, the glory, the character, the person of God. So basically like, Jesus told his disciples, when you see me, you see the Father. And so Jesus was was what God required of us. So if you're like, what does God require of you? You go back and you read your Gospels and see Jesus' life. And you're like, you watch him love justice, do, do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God. That's what Jesus did. He was the living embodiment of what God requires. You'll notice what he didn't do then, okay? So, so often we notice what Jesus did, but we don't notice what he didn't do. He didn't bow and scrape and wonder if God loved him. He didn't bring thousands of rams. He didn't pour out oceans of oil. I have an unexpected meeting. Never mind, just, told, just hit the stop button when it's done. Bye, guys. See you, Easton. He um, didn't bow and scrape and wonder if God loved him. He lived in the freedom of knowing the Father's love for him, and he insisted on justice, even though it cost him his life. And he insisted on kindness even to his enemies, and he insisted on humility because he was God, and he was willing to be a human and to be misunderstood and accused and assaulted by the humans that he came to save. And so that was walking humbly with God. So in so many ways, Jesus is our representative and our savior, and he's also our example. He is what God required. He He was the heart of God, and it certainly didn't have anything to do. And then, of course, now, this one's up on a tee for you, but if you go back to 7, you get that cry, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And then you realize, man, what did God do to kind of like the final proof that this is not what he wanted from people? He gave his firstborn for our transgressions. 
you can't make this kind of stuff up. I just think it's wonderful. It's just a beautiful revelation of who God was. So, all right. Well, that's probably enough for today. Thank you so much for listening and uh, tune in next time. If you haven't gone back, if you're new to the podcast or you've only been aboard for a couple episodes, um, we have, I think Easton told me we're up to 30 by now, and this might be 31, something along those lines. So you can go back and check out the other earlier episodes and, and let us know what you think. Uh, but I hope to see you next time, and thank you so much for listening.